And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. The Athletic. Manchester United say Marcus Rashford has taken responsibility for his actions and will be available for selection again after being dropped. This after we reported Rashford went on a night out before reporting ill and missing training the following day. For the rest, it's internal matter. Case closed. But given how the likes of Jaden Sancho were dealt with, has Eric Ten Hag been tough enough with Rashford? I'm Ayoa Kimolere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Okay, so today on the pod, we've got the Athletics' Mark Critchley and also Andy Mitten, who writes about Manchester United for us and also editor of Fanzine United We Stand. Right, let's talk about Marcus Rashford. And I sort of want to caveat this because I, I know nothing of what it's like to be, you know, a multimillionaire football star for one of the biggest clubs in the world with on and off field responsibilities. But Critch, let's start with you in terms of exactly what happened last week with Marcus Rashford and Manchester United. Yeah, so this story really started on on Wednesday when Rashford went over to Belfast. He was there visiting his ex-teammate in the academy, Rashawn Williams, who's just signed for Lyon over there. And United's players were in training Monday to Wednesday. They had Thursday off and then they were due back in on Friday. Now, when Friday came, Ten Hag did his press conference and he said Rashford hadn't trained because he'd reported ill. And it was after that, really, that you started seeing on social media a lot of photos, videos of Rashford out in Belfast on this trip. Now, when those photos and those videos were put to United, asking if this had anything to do with this illness that, that, that had ruled him out of training, they said that the photos were from Wednesday. They weren't from Thursday night. So they had no issue. He wasn't out the night before he was supposed to be training as far as they were concerned, as far as they'd been told. So there was no problem. But just looking at those images, there was something that didn't really quite add up with them. He was wearing different clothes on what's supposed to be the same night out. The timelines weren't quite adding up. So uh, myself and some my colleagues, Laurie Whitwell and Dan Sheldon, we uh, spent some time over the weekend gathering information, uh, trying to check the story out. And eventually we came to a point where we got enough that we were certain that he was out on Thursday. We put it to the club and to his reps. And uh, yeah, and we did the story. And I think it's important to say, as you, as you opened up at the start, we're not trying to get on our high horse here. We don't know what it's like to be a footballer, one of the highest profile footballers in the country and the world playing for a club the size of Manchester United. Footballers are allowed to enjoy themselves. Um, they're allowed to go on a night out. <laughs> we all do the same, right? But if a player is on a night out the night before they're doing training and then they miss training, and importantly, they don't tell the club that they're on the night out before before training, that's the reason for missing it. Well, that's that's a story. And we did that story on Saturday night after speaking to, to multiple people who witnessed it, after verifying videos, photographs with timestamps, etc. And And really, that's where it's developed from from there. Yeah, Andy, what has happened then since then? It is a serious issue. He, he shouldn't have done it. And I think he was criticised heavily by a lot of Manchester United fans. This indiscretion is not isolated. 
Indeed, United play at Wolves on Thursday and last year he started on the bench because he'd been dropped to the bench because he turned up late for a team meeting. He came on, he scored the winning goal. That's Marcus Rashford at his best, but he was far better last season than he's been this season. And I've written a lot of books where I speak to footballers 10 or 15 years after events have happened. And they talk about doing things they shouldn't have done at the time. And it's all amid laughs. Yeah, the time we went to Belfast and Dublin and had a great night out and went in the next day. The problem is Marcus and Manchester United are not playing well. And some of the the past players, when they've done stuff, they were playing for teams which won titles, doubles and even trebles. Marcus is also living in a world where everybody has got a camera. And I don't envy that. And both of you touched on the fact that it's difficult for normal people to relate to his life. I've been speaking to a lot of people within the club and that's something they were almost all of them said. Imagine this was you. You're literally in a goldfish bowl wherever you go, whether it's in Manchester where you're a local lad and we're led to believe he's a single lad, he's allowed to go out, he's split with his girlfriend, just be normal. And it is so difficult because there are potential pitfalls everywhere. There's people trying to trap you. There's people trying to snare you. This isn't a family footballer away from the chaos in Argentina, living in in Cheshire, ignoring all of those temptations because they're back in his home country. This is Marcus, the local boy living in Manchester. And I do have some sympathy for him because if you play for Manchester United, you were under constant pressure and constant scrutiny. That said, he shouldn't have done what he did do. That said, Manchester United players, even in recent years, have done far, far, far worse. If he'd scored 15 goals this season rather than four, it wouldn't be the story, wouldn't be the issue that it is now. And I'm surprised when I saw polls yesterday on United We Stand on reissued and these are a lot of the people who go on these forums and match-going fans and they all, all wanted him out. Like 96% on reissued, 75% on United We Stand. That is sell him, get rid now. Now, we all know fans can change the tune very quickly. And the piece I put in the Athletic article that I wrote about Marcus was Wayne Rooney, 2013. I vividly remember a BBC Five Live calling me to say, we're looking to find a Man United fan who, who supports Wayne Rooney. I couldn't find one, not one. Everyone wanted him to go because the story was he wanted to join Chelsea. And it was like, get rid, get rid now. If he doesn't want to be here, get rid. Two weeks later, because United refused to sell him, first game of the season at Swansea. Half the away end, and I was in it, were booing Rooney on the quiet. Half of them were cheering Rooney on the quiet. He didn't really know what to think. They certainly knew what to think within a month because he was the best player by a mile. So the only way of Marcus getting out of this is if he starts playing well, in terms of getting the affections of fans back on side. That said, fans have been really supportive to him at games. You see the online abuse all the time, but at matches, he has a pretty easy ride. Fans want him to do well. I want him to do well. I don't want to sell him right now. I want him to return to being the top player, Manchester United's best player. And it's not like there's four or five other strikers. This is who we can say, all right, let's turn to him. Because the team's not even scoring, none of them. Well, the thing is, I, want, I definitely want to get back into this because there are so many parallels between this and obviously, to a certain degree, Jaden Sancho as well. And I want to come back to Rooney as well, Andy, give me a second. But Critch, just in terms of Manchester United in particular, after the incident, I felt that he was supposed to be starting 
against Newport in the FA Cup, but he was dropped as well. And what, what, what are Manchester United saying moving forward? Yeah, well, he didn't play against Newport and United said that he wasn't well enough to be in the squad that day, but he'd stayed at Carrington to train as he recovers now. Can you be not well enough to not travel down for an FA Cup game, but also still not well enough to, to train? Carrington doesn't really, didn't really make sense. But in it, anyway, Ten Hag said he was ill, uh, but he also said that it was an internal matter. Uh, the following day, there was a meeting at Carrington with Rashford, with his agent and his brother, Dwayne Maynard, and with Eric Ten Hag and John Murtagh. And sometime after that, uh, United released a statement saying that Rashford had taken full responsibility for his actions, uh, accepted responsibility for his actions, sorry, and and that they considered the matter closed. So yeah, he's back in training. He's uh, back available for selection against Wolves tomorrow. And that statement, I think it was interesting in that it stopped short of saying that Marcus had apologised for it. So there's an idea there's a bit of contrition here in comparison to maybe other cases, right? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, it doesn't say that he apologised and it would be easy enough to say that if he had, but I think we can surmise that United are satisfied with the conclusion of that meeting and that he has taken responsibility, as they say in their words, that he's accepted responsibility for that. As I say, he's he's back in training and he's back in contention for selection. We'll wait to see if he is selected against Wolves, but they consider now the matter to be closed, that they've looked into it, that they've, that they've carried out whatever investigations they need to, they've had this meeting and that the matter is closed and they moved on. And, and you're right, that is different from perhaps some other disciplinary issues that have flagged up in the recent past under Eric Ten Hag. Um, perhaps it's been handled slightly differently to those. But, I mean, we'll have to see how it progresses over the next weeks and months. Andy, I just back to this idea of this lad, um, you know, local hero, so much pressure, so much attention on, on Marcus Rashford. And it got me thinking about Wayne Rooney as well. Obviously, Wayne Rooney's openly admitted to having issues around drinking in his early 20s. And he came out in an interview and said that in the British press. And there was something that really struck me with that interview when he said, when you don't take the help and guidance of others, you can be really in a, in a low place. And I was for many years with that. Do we get a sense of the kind of people then that are able to offer Marcus Rashford that advice? You know, because it's not that going out and having fun is the issue. It's probably more the timing of it that's probably the bigger issue at this point. Yeah, the timing's not good at all. The optics of it don't look good at all. Wayne Rooney got out of Liverpool very early. Why? Because if he was going to get problems, they were more likely to be where he was from, where everybody knew him, knew his family. And he moved into the football belt, the, the Cheshire belt. Marcus doesn't. Marcus can't move to Liverpool to play for Manchester United. It, it's just not what's done. The people around him, So it's a really good point. So he's changed several times the people advising him from a, a PR perspective. Now, one criticism as well as the 99% of praise he should get for his stance in making the government do a U-turn so that kids got free school meals is that it was being driven by others. Now, he put his name to it. It was an incredibly successful campaign. But I was looking at them tweets thinking, this isn't you. This absolutely is not you. Now, it was an extremely slick campaign, which Marcus benefited from as well, in terms of a halo was put over his head. Was it unfair to put him on, on that plinth? And commercially what followed from that was A-list campaigns, phone calls from Barack Obama, a surge in his online popularity, which could be leveraged against further campaigns. I was told a story that he went to Nike's campus in 2018 
and was absolutely marvelling at the NFL star Odell Beckham Jr. And within a couple of years, Marcus Rashford had more followers than him. So he, be- he became absolute big time. And that brings pressures with it. You've also got to be normal. There were people at United who felt that the Marcus Rashford story was starting to overshadow the Manchester United story and that Manchester United had their own charitable foundation as well. And other players had driven what they did through that. And Marcus was with Rock Nation. Kelly Hogarth was linked with Rock Nation and has been with someone else and now he's with someone else. Am I convinced he's getting the right advice from what I hear? No. No, I'm not. Not at all. And I've got lots of people feeding me information. I'm not on about getting Boris Johnson to do a U-turn. I thought that was fantastic. I thought the banner over the M56 in Wivenshaw, Marcus won, Boris nil. Fantastic. Love stuff like that. But Marcus's whole life has been this roller coaster of ups and downs. He had a crisis of confidence at 14 because I spoke to some of his coaches. Didn't come easily to him in terms of footballing talent like it did for um, Ravel Morrison, for Mason Greenwood. He had to graft it and he did graft it. I've spoke to his old school teachers. They speak really well of him. Loads of people speak well of him. I know friends of his, not ones who are financially dependent on him either, because a lot are. And they speak really well of him. They say underneath it all, there's a really good footballer and a good lad there. And someone said to me last night, loves the trappings of the game, doesn't love the game anymore. And that's someone who knows him. That'd be really sad if that is true. Really, really sad. And he's being judged all the time. He went through a drive-thru after a game a year or two ago. And the person serving him was like, wanted to talk about football. Because he's in this goldfish bowl and he's in Manchester and everyone in Manchester has got an opinion on football. My my mum, who never goes to matches, has got strong opinions on football. And Marcus didn't want to talk. And why should he talk? But then he's being judged, isn't he? Well, I didn't like him. He he didn't want to discuss the tactics of Fulham tonight. Why should he do that? So everyone's commenting and they cannot relate to his life. But then there are other footballers who do deal with the pressure, who do perform, who do look happy. And me and Critch, we go in their mix zones. We see Marcus coming through. Doesn't look like a happy character to me. Hasn't done for a long, long, long time. And we have other players coming through and we know some and we don't know others. And they might not always want to talk. But they might say, hey, how are you doing? Not today, I'm not talking. But it's nice, it's relaxed. You just do not get that with Marcus. And there's so many nuances and contradictions here. It is, there's so many shades of grey with this. But if we're sticking to what we know from this season, he and United are not playing well. He's supposed to be a star player. He's 26, he's supposed to be in his peak. He's supposed to be a leader in his team. Just not happening for him. Can he, can he turn it around? Well, can the team turn it around? Can Ten Hag turn it around? But there's a lot of pressure on all of them and more on Marcus than most. I guess that sense of can they turn it around is also important because Critch is a a player who's a pivotal part of the identity of of Manchester United at this point. And we look at his, what, 30 goals last season or, you know, and what he did last season. Does that offer him a a bit more leniency in comparison to maybe a a Jadon Sancho, for instance? Look, I think there's you, you could make that argument. People will look at the Sancho situation. They'll see that 
him not apologising was a huge thing. Essentially, the reason why he was exiled out of first team training and didn't get a look in. He needed to make that apology to come back. Has Marcus made that apology now? It's still slightly unclear. That Again, it doesn't say that exactly in the statement. So people might see a double standard there. But I think Andy's touched on a really good point there about shades of grey. You know, like management is not as black and white it's even the disciplinary side you know when you're even though you're setting rules even though you're setting guidelines it's not black and white it's, it's more like uh, light and shade really you've got to treat personalities and different characters within the squad in the way that's going to suit them best that's going to get the best out of them and it might just be that you know people are looking at differences in the Sancho situation or the Ronaldo situation which Eric Ten Hag has had to deal with as well and then they look at this Rashford one and they see a different approach, a different stance. Maybe it's just that this is this is the best thing for Marcus Rashford where he is at this point in his life as 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 a person as much as a player. You're obviously right that he's such a he's such a huge and important figure at the club on and off the pitch, on the pitch particularly. Not that he's been in the best form this year. I think everybody can see that. How do you get him back to it? He's always been a player who's who's had ups and downs, I think, and he's always had hot spurts. And even if you just think about the way that he burst onto the scene, you know, and as Andy said there, you mentioned speaking to his coaches when he was like 14 years old and he wasn't somebody who necessarily had that natural gift like a Ravel Morrison or someone. You know, he wasn't even somebody that you would really hear about coming through the academy, this great young player. And then when it did happen for him and it happened in such a way that he was scoring almost every other game and, you know, getting called up for England, his career has been really unlike that of almost any other players people you know the cliche Roy the Rover stuff it is kind of Roy the Rover stuff that he's become this footballer who was a great story came from nowhere turned into the best player at Manchester United one of the best players for England then had this rise to become more than just a player like a figure that a lot of people who weren't interested in football identified with because of what he stood for all that pressure all that whatever he's got to live up to this 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 persona that has been built that is going to come with pressure and it's going to come with expectation and some people will deal with that in different ways from others and it might be that yes Eric Ten Hag believes that this is the way of dealing with it whereas it wasn't for somebody like Jaden Sancho it wasn't for somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo who or whoever but no look you're right it, and as Andy keeps saying as well, it comes back to results, doesn't it? If United are winning games, then this isn't such a huge problem. And if this is the method to get Marcus Rashford playing well and get United winning games, then perhaps it's the best one. Yeah, Andy, I just wondered if we look at this and we we, we potentially see a certain pattern uh, of behaviour evolving. But then I also look at, you know, from the outside, the situation at Manchester United. Yes, he's 26, but 26 who's played under, what, five different managers? You know, in terms of having that stability at a club. I mean, if it was Sir Alex Ferguson following through, I mean, you'd like to think there was a conversation that would be happening at various points in his career. But with all those different personalities, all those different formations, all those different backroom staff, you know, it can't be easy to maintain that equilibrium and that level of performance if you don't have that stability underneath you. You're absolutely right. And I spoke to people like Brian McClare and, and Paul McGuinness, who, who knew Marcus coming through. And one point Paul McGuinness made, he said, it's not easy for a young player adapting to different managers who all come with their own different ideas. They change four or five players. And there's huge differences in the way that Van Hall took a training session compared to Moyes, compared to Mourinho, compared to Solskjaer with, with Carrick and, and McKenna. And it affects players. 
McGuinness said football is so complex and the development of all young players will have been stifled. Van Gaal had this logical step-by-step -step style of football with few combinations and dribbling, the stuff Marcus Rashford had been brought up to do. And suddenly he's been asked to change that. And when you have a stable team, Ferguson, you can start to get the connections and passes with the players you've worked closely with. And McGuinness said, people just think if you bring a new player in, it'll just click. That doesn't happen. So I do have sympathy for Marcus Rashford there, but I also have frustrations because I know how good he can be. But it's chicken and egg here, isn't it? Do you blame the strikers for not scoring or do you blame the system for not allowing the strikers to score? And it's not just Marcus. And look at the others around him. Jaden Sancho's on loan. Mason Greenwood is on loan. Younger strikers are out on loan. Is it fair that Rasmus Hoyland is being asked to lead the line age 20? Probably not. Probably playing a few too many games. So is it fair that there's been so many injuries? No, that, that Luke Shaw being absent has not helped Marcus either. But Marcus, when you're watching him, you're seeing someone whose body language doesn't suggest someone who's in love with football, playing football. And yet, I watch him in matches and he starts them really well. You can see he's like, this is going to be the day I'm going to make my breakthrough. And he runs at a few players. And then before you know it, United have conceded two goals and they're, they're down at Old Trafford. And you pull back into this negative vortex of, oh no, we're not that good, are we? And I'm sure if he was playing in a team that was winning doubles and trebles, he'd be being used better than he is now. But there's an over-reliance on him now because there's not really any plan Bs. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolera. In football, you need discipline on the pitch, but yeah, also off the pitch because also there is a line between. So when every player knows this, every professional knows this, what is required? The other piece in the puzzle is Eric Ten Hagen. Naturally, we'll always talk about the, the manager's role in, in this. And and he's just mentioned issues, you know, Greenwood, Anthony's been another one, uh, Ronaldo, uh, Sancho. I mean, all very different scenarios in, in their own right. But there's a sort of a trend really in terms of disrespecting the manager in many respects. I made the analogy just before we started the pod, you know, you know, you were like school kids and, you know, you have that teacher that you'd always do your homework for. And then there's that teacher that, you know, you might just be like the dog ate my homework. It, <laughs> do, do we feel there's like a theme here, like of, of how the authority figure is being viewed by these players? Yeah, I always did my homework, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think it comes back to what I was saying before, right? The management means dealing with people in different ways. So Alex Ferguson is a classic of this, right? He was a guy who, famous story, everyone remembers the Eric Cantona Kung Fu kick, right? Crystal Palace, 1995. I think it's the ex-players from that time, they tell this story where they go back into the, the dressing room at full time and, you know, they're all getting castigated for the performance or whatever, all getting dug out. It's the hairdryer treatment, effing and jeffing, whatever. And they come around to Cantona and they're expecting to explode and he says Eric you just can't do something like that son and then that's it and that's because this is what he this is how he knew that Cantona was a different personality even though he jumped into the stand and launched the support of three rows back he knew that he couldn't dig him out in front of the rest of the squad because that isn't the way to deal with him that isn't the way to discipline him there's other ones about going attending to like awards dinners and him wearing like a bright white suit and and not getting stick for it because, you know, so Ferguson knew how to deal with certain characters. He still had blow-ups though as well. You know, you only think of like Yapstam, Roy Keane, Van Nistelrooy, loads of players Beckham. that he fell out with. And it was Beckham. And it was, for a lot of them, it was the end of their careers, right? And you can question his judgment on those. So it's not like he had a perfect track record, but it's about dealing with people in different ways and, and putting the arm around the shoulder of some players who need it and using the stick rather than the carrot for, for players who, who will respond to that. I think that is maybe where Ten Hag has fallen down at times over the past 18 months. It's perhaps we'll see what happens with Rashford again over, over the next few weeks, but it's perhaps something he's looking to change now. And look, we talk about pressure and on him as a manager and him needing to get results. And does that mean that he's maybe a bit more leading on Rashford? But look, I, uh, this situation was really, I think, hands up. Marcus has got to say it's on him, right? This situation, he's the one who made the mistake last week. He's the one who didn't turn up for training on Friday. The pressure is on him now to 
put his hands up, take responsibility. The statement says he's accepted responsibility. People will want to see that in his performances. And so rather than the focus shifted on to Ten Hag and how United have dealt with it, which is a totally legitimate point of conversation, it's also about Rashford taking that responsibility that we're told that he's assumed and uh, and showing it on the pitch as well now. As we're talking about Eric Ten Hag, Critch, I know there's been a press conference ahead of the Wolves game with Ten Hag and naturally you feel a lot of the questions are going to be about Marcus Rashford, not necessarily the Wolves game. What has he actually said? Well, look, he was asked for, the, you know, what's the situation with Marcus and his reaction to it and he said... He's taken responsibility and for the rest it's internal matter. Case closed. He actually kind of avoided a question about whether Marcus would be available for tomorrow, but that's, you know, since since he returned to training, the club says he's available for selection. So, you know, he, he was questioned on, is he instilling that correct discipline, if you like, just what we've been discussing. And yeah, look, I think his point was that he kind of said it's nothing to do with him. Well, I think it is to do with him because he is responsible for it to, to a degree. But I also kind of understand what he's saying and that, you know, once the players are out that door, once they leave Carrington, him and a lot of other coaches and a lot of other managers will trust them to behave as responsible adults and professionals, right? And there is a limit to it. You can't have a watchful eye over them at all times. There's, there's a personal responsibility that I was just discussing there as well, you know, whereas we can look at Ten Hag and what United are doing. It's also down to Rashford. So, you know, I think everybody's got questions to answer in this in this situation. <laughs> I just don't know if we're ever going to get much of an answer out of, out of Eric at his press conference today because he usually likes to stick to stick to the club statements. Andy, very quickly on Ineos. I mean, they're the ones watching over, really. Sir Jim Ratcliffe looking to shore things up. Um, Ten Hag... Obviously, as well, is part of that conversation. But in terms of this situation, especially a group known for its excellence, what, what, what does this look like? And what kind of job are they looking at thinking they've got to do here at Manchester United? I think they're under no illusions at how difficult and how big the, the job is to haul Manchester United upwards towards the excellence which they desire. And they've not sugarcoated it when they've met fans, when they've met staff. They've been very realistic, very pragmatic, and that's not always been the case with some of the club's leadership. So I think Marcus will get an absolutely fair chance, partly because he's signed a huge contract. I mean, his stock is not particularly high at the moment. Although interestingly, and I put it in the article, Guardiola said he was the one player he felt he could work with from Man United. Barca were interested in him twice. There's a perception away from those who watch Man United every single week that Marcus is a world-class player. And those who don't watch him, that probably benefits Marcus that that perception exists. If we're talking in a year's time and he scored four goals by this stage in, of next season. I think we've got a, a, an even bigger issue here. I don't think he'll be shifted. I don't think the fans who voted in those polls yesterday will get the way. I just think a lot of that is knee-jerk, but I understand why, because people are annoyed about it. And best-case scenario is he has a full pre-season. He's had too few of them. United recruit with quality players around him. If you bring a couple of top-class players in in the summer, then the other players just go, whoa, we mean business. Van Persie was the best example of that. When he walked in, the rest of the players thought, okay, we're not messing about this year. And Marcus would benefit from that. Are there deeper issues there? There might be. Does he need professional help? He might do. Are we speculating about Marcus's his private life and what's going on? I don't think it's fair to, to do that. I'd love to see Marcus Rashford play to his full potential. And 
he should get help from the people around him who can help him realise that. And if that's Ineos, great. Fantastic, gents. Let's leave it there. Critch, Andy, and of course, you guys can also read articles from both on The Athletic right now. And do not forget to rate and review the podcast. And we'll be back for another episode tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Guy Clark, Mike Stavro and Jay Beal, and the executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.